0: Live from the 607, it is the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Why don't you join in the conversation with the hashtag ODPH. Here we go. And welcome to another edition of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Hashtag ODPH Podcast. I'm your host Kenem. joining me in studio as always, it's Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to discuss in the land of sports, so let's waste no more time. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH on the social media. Join in the conversation because, hey, we want to hear from you. What bigger sports story going on right now than the NBA Finals? Uh-huh. Now, they are kicking off Thursday night as we're recording. Yep. We now have the Toronto Raptors, who pulled off the upset Mm -hmm. over the Milwaukee Bucks to face the Golden State Warriors. Mm -hmm. Now, this is going to be a very interesting series for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, Toronto has now finally gotten to the finals after they could not get past the LeBron era in Cleveland Mm -hmm. or Miami, wherever. They just could not get over the hump. They are now finally in there after dismantling the mythos of Milwaukee. Yeah, they
1: stood up to that giant, that behemoth, and they heard everything everyone said, all the, all oh, how great they are, and they, they gave no cares.
0: They didn't. Kawhi Leonard has now solidified himself as a legend in Toronto. In, it doesn't matter what happens from here on out. He is now etched his name in the history books in Toronto sports.
1: Well, see, I, th- I thought I saw an article last week after uh, they had closed out the Eastern Conference Finals. I forget who it was, but somebody offered him like a penthouse and a luxury building if he decided to stay with Toronto after the season was over.
0: Well, he's going to have a very interesting offseason no matter what happens. But he, right now he's so focused on Game 1, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter. And to look on the other side of the fence, you now have Golden State who dismantled Portland early. Mm -hmm. And they're ready to go. They've been down this road before. This is nothing new to Steph Curry and company. If
1: I read right, it's their fifth straight NBA Finals.
0: I believe so. This is going to get very interesting because now they have to travel to Toronto Mm -hmm. to face Kawhi. And a very, very excited, to put it mildly, fan base
1: no, yeah, very excited fan base, but fan base. But I also got to give them a little bit of credit. A lot of times you hear about teams winning a championship or getting to the, you know, their their championship round for the first time in a long time, and you hear about some of the antics that go on after the the game is over. Shout out to Toronto. Nobody got in trouble after that Eastern Conference Finals game. Yeah, no
0: arrests. Hey, shout out to Toronto. Which was amazing. Yeah,
1: but no, that is going to be a very loud and rambunctious crowd. Uh, I get the feeling uh, come Friday morning and also Monday morning, uh, June 3rd, to be specific, uh, there will not be very many voices in Toronto.
0: No, definitely not. They're going to definitely step it up. Drake will be leading the crowd. And and to say Toronto is going to be ready for Golden State, the city, yes. Mm -hmm. Is the team, though? That's going to be the question. That's
1: going to be the question because, I mean, yes, it, you do have Curry and Thompson and Draymond and, and the bench play going. But, you know, Kevin Durant is still a question as far as we know. There, I've heard some rumblings in the last day or so that Boogie might be even ready to make a comeback. So we never know what that.
0: It's going to be interesting to see how this unfolds because we have to look at a couple different factors. Okay. And you touched upon Kevin Durant. Is he going to be ready for these finals? As of right now, I heard he is ruled out for game one. Okay, so he's definitely not playing game one. Anything after that is going to be kind of a, you know coach's decision per se. That they're not going to tell anybody anything until the very last minute, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Yeah. As for Boogie Cousins, you would factor that if he is physically able to go, he's going to go. This is why mm-hmm. he came to Golden State, and this is you're in the finals. Yeah, you're ready to go if you can physically suit up. You play. Let's say
1: if you can physically suit up, even if you're not 100%, you are still suiting up. Right.
0: So Golden State is definitely going in with that mindset. But the one thing that they've been doing, which I think is throwing a lot of you know, analysts and fans off a of bit, they're winning and they're looking better without Durant in the lineup. Which is kind of scary if you think about it. It's absolutely frightening that they've stepped up. Draymond Green especially, and I know we've touched upon this before in the past episodes, He has taken his game to that next level that he is saying, not out loud and not on purpose, but he's saying we don't need Kevin Durant. We can win outright with who we have on the court. And for them to look as quick as they are, because they look like a totally quicker team just doing the eye test, is really scary at this stage.
1: So you bring up Draymond Green, uh, his postseason stats uh, as of this moment are 13.6 points per game, 9.9 rebounds per game, and 8.2 assists per game with 1.7 blocks per game.
0: Right. He's definitely focused on this. And it's not to say that they wouldn't welcome Durant back in the lineup by right, any means. Right. Like Durant can play. Trust me, he's going to play. But they're just sending the message that we can definitely play without him and we can win without him. Now, how this is going to affect team chemistry is a different story But it's not really a headline by any means. No, This isn't like the Los Angeles Lakers drama, which we're not even going to get into. No,
1: that's like a three-hour episode.
0: Yeah, that's going to be a Coach Duffy Presents when he gets back on the show. But what I'm saying with this is Golden State is heading to Toronto where they're going to be very well received Mm -hmm. by the Toronto fan base. Yeah. And just it all depends on what Toronto team steps up to face them. Kawhi is definitely in, in finals mode. Yeah. We know he's gonna show he's up. He's been there before, he knows what to do. But the question is if he starts getting shut down and I'm not saying he's gonna be shut out. No. But no. If he's not gonna be able to take over games. Because you got Draymond Green, who's an excellent defender. hmm You have Andre Iguodala, who steps up and shines in the finals. So,
1: if I'm not mistaken, he was an MVP a couple seasons ago. He didn't win that for eating cookies. Mm-hmm.
0: He's gonna definitely step up. I mean, Golden State has one of the stronger benches on the game. Yeah. If they can slow down Kawhi, who steps up on that team to take over? That's the question. Can Kyle Lowry really step up and do it? Can Danny Green, Serge Ibaka, Marcus Hall? Who steps up? Does anybody, Pat?
1: Uh, somebody's going to have to because this isn't one of your prototypical matchups where you've got one or two superstars on the other team and a couple. And a, and a, and a, the rest of the guys are kind of role players or you know facilitators to whatever style of offense they play. This is one that they can turn you know, whatever style of offense they're playing and flip it on the uh, the switch of a dime, Mm -hmm. the spin of a dime, where they can go from, oh, hey, we're this really physical down low, you know, posting up and slam dunk and all that kind of shots to, all right, we're going to start shooting three-pointers like it's a video game. Somebody's going to have to step up because it's like you said, if if Kawhi gets, you know, shut down or kind of held in check, okay, who's going to step up? Because you're going to need somebody.
0: Yeah, and you're going to need somebody to keep up with a Steph Curry, Mm -hmm. a Klay Thompson, who can shoot the lights out of the building any night they show up. Yeah. So who's going to be the one to step up and do it? Does Toronto have somebody to do it? I mean, Danny Green has shown glimpses. Yeah. But can you do it consistently to win four games? That's going to be the question. And that, to me, is kind of the the biggest X factor is, okay, yeah, Kawhi's
1: been there. Kawhi's been to the NBA Finals. The rest of his team are fairly inexperienced when it comes to the NBA Finals. And yes, you've been in the playoffs. Yes, you're professional basketball players. But the Finals is a whole different animal.
0: Mm-hmm. It's truly a different story. That, okay, you did beat you know Giannis in Milwaukee. Congratulations. Turn the page. Right. And you did it in impressive fashion. But now you face Golden State, who has been going into the season and more or less throughout the team to beat mm-hmm. to get to the championship. Yeah. You knew this was going to happen if you got to the finals. You're now here. How do you step up and do this? That's going to be the biggest X factor of everything. Because for Toronto, like I said, it's not to say they're not going to show up. No, they'll show up. They're going to show up. But if Curry gets going, Thompson gets going, Green gets going, let alone if down in this series you have Kevin Durant come back, if you have DeMarcus Cousins come back, yeah. How do you stop everybody? And I don't know if there's a yes or no answer.
1: You've definitely got to hold them in check because we saw in the, in the series against the Houston Rockets what happened when you let like two-thirds of the starters get into double figures. Mm-hmm. It's hard to beat that.
0: Yeah. you got to hold them in check. You have to. And are they that strong of a defensive team that they can't get into a situation where they think they're going to come back and if they're down 10 points at halftime mm-hmm. that they're going to come back and win this. Golden State knows how to finish. Yeah. They are the arguably the most seasoned team that was all in the playoffs this entire year, but East yeah. the Western Conference. Yeah. They know how to do it. They know how to close. So for them, their key to success is, okay, let's make somebody else beat us on that team. If we let Kawhi be Kawhi, sure, he's going to put up his points, but can anybody else beat us? That's your biggest X factor of everything. Mm-hmm. That How does Toronto have somebody step up? Is it going to be something that Kyle Lowry has his breakout game like Damian Lillard did you Maybe. know, in, in the Denver series in, in Oklahoma City? This is where a situation like that is where a player is going to have to really step it up and really take that game to the next level because now you're in those finals. Can you shut down or slow down a Steph Curry to make a Klay Thompson beat mm-hmm. you? That's going to be the question. I mean, there's so many involving questions here. I know I've given off a bunch of questions.
1: Oh yeah, you they've got to be very fluid in what they do because there's no this isn't a video game. You can't shut everyone down. You've got to pick and choose who you want to shut down and you've got to be fluid in changing who you're shutting down because okay, great, you shut down Steph Curry for a quarter, quarter and a half. Well, now you've got Klay Thompson shooting you out of the building. Mm-hmm. You got to switch off and go, "All right, listen, we need to kind of throw an ice pack on Klay Thompson and cool
0: him off here." Yeah. And can they do it? it's ultimately going to be the question because they have to focus on this season and they got to focus on the games ahead. They can't really worry about, okay, where's Kawhi going to go next season? If we don't mm-hmm. win, is he going to leave? You need to focus on the games in hand. The players are going to, I know the media is yeah. kind of now starting to run with stories of, Oh, what happens next
1: season? Right. And, and you've also got to tune out the, Oh, Hey, is this, is your first time? Are you nervous? Yeah. Like you got to tune out all the, the talk and the noise about first time, first time, first time. Yes. It's your first time. Congratulations. That's not what we're focusing on.
0: No, because especially if you don't have Durant in that lineup in game one, Toronto, I think, in my opinion, has to win game one.
1: Yeah, no, even if Durant was in that lineup, they have to win game one.
0: No, I think if they split. If Durant was in the lineup, I think they have to split. But I think now, more imperatively, they need to take advantage of it. I know we said with Portland they need to do the same thing, but I think for Toronto especially, because this almost, I don't want to say this comparison, but I'm going to throw this out there. This is like when LeBron was in the finals Mm -hmm. against Golden State. If you shut shut down LeBron, who steps up to do it? So, so, I mean, that's going to be the question. Kawhi is almost in that same kind of aspect. But Kawhi is playing right now at such an elite level, it's going to be tough to take him out. But then it all falls back on who is going to step up for Toronto. Mm -hmm. And this is now going to really factor in about what happens
1: yeah no like toronto's got to win one if not both of the games at home because when they switch to games three and four they're back in golden state which depending on how things go could be two of the last games played at that building they're playing in right now because of course next season they're going to be playing across the bay in san francisco Mm. so yeah okay the you know the team's this is their fifth straight nba finals appearance but it's going to be potentially the last two games, assuming they don't go to game six where that's played in Golden State. But if if game four and game three end up being the last two games of the uh, of the playoffs, that's going to be a loud team because, hey, let's go out. Let's send this building out right on one more ride.
0: Plus, you got to factor this in as well. And we've already talked about this many episodes. This coming offseason for the NBA is going to be one for the record books. How many teams have cleared out space for max contracts? A lot of them. And how many teams are eyeing a Kevin Durant or even Clay Thompson? We don't know what's happening with him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only thing we know is he was unjustly snubbed from the all-NBA team. Yeah,
1: and he's missing out on a fair chunk of change.
0: Right, but, at, I mean, on the grand scheme of things, he'll get paid. There's, yeah. It's not like he's not going to get paid on the offseason. No, he will. It just depends on where he wants to sign. But this, in Theory could be the end of the Golden State dynasty, mm-hmm. in theory. Because if Thompson leaves, let's say Thompson leaves, it's all been a foregone conclusion Kevin Durant's gone. Mm-hmm. I, I'll I stick by my guns on that one. He's, he's out the door. He's going to go to the Knicks. I, unless something dramatic happens and he wants to go to the Clippers, but why would he want to stay in the West and compete against Golden State and he could have an easier road in the East and really carve his niche in history. I mean, this is you know his legacy mm-hmm. now. I can't see him going to L.A. I just, I don't. But I've been known to be wrong on the show before. it will probably happen again. But like I said, this is going to be the last, arguably, run of the dynasty of Golden State. Mm-hmm. They're going to want to go out on a win. They're going to want it just as bad as Toronto does. Toronto is almost playing with house money at this stage. Yeah. They weren't expected to be here in a lot of fans' eyes. But if you talk to anybody from the 6th, yeah, they knew they were going, and they had the feeling this was going to be the year. When they pull off the deal to get Kawhi there, that was a huge move. Mm-hmm. That this has already paid off for him. Yeah. You can't say it hasn't. And to get him to stay there is going to be another story. But it all depends on what happens in this finals. Hypothetically saying, if Toronto gets swept, I could see Kawhi leaving. But Because he, he's already said, I've done all I can do, unless you're going to... Re- disassemble this team, Mm -hmm. but how hard is it to disassemble a team that you just brought to the NBA Finals? A lot of questions are going to be involved.
1: I'll say the only thing we're certain of is this weird uh, fact that came out a couple days ago that I couldn't believe. This will be the 36th straight NBA Finals that have included at least one player who played with one Shaquille O'Neal. Interesting. Uh, That player this year would be Toronto's Danny Green, who was in Cleveland and played with Shaq during the 2009- 2010 season.
0: Very interesting stat pad. Yeah did not even saw
1: that I was like wow that's incredible
0: didn't even factor that one in so let's break it down who do you got and why pat
1: uh, golden state just because you know much respect to the toronto raptors and everyone up there in the six you've had a great year you've had a great run very much higher than expectations i would say but it's it's golden state you know this isn't a, a normal nba team where you can shut one down and and kind of you know go through a shooting match and, and outscore them this is very much a team like I said, they can flip the switch, they can turn on a dime and and change their play style. And I just, when you look at the matchups, there's just I can't see anything really holding up to Golden State.
0: This is going to be a very fun series. It definitely is going to be fun. You have the Cinderella like story of Toronto who finally have now gotten to the dance. They've had such a high emotional run beating Milwaukee the way they did that Drake is leading the crowd. The energy in Toronto's building is electric. The city is definitely behind this team 100%. To flip the coin, Golden State has been here. They're the perennial favorites. They have one of the best organizations in all of the NBA. They've only gotten better in their offseason with getting DeMarcus Cousins when he's been there. Obviously, injuries have hampered that, and they've weathered a storm of, is Kevin Durant staying or going? Mm -hmm. They've focused very well on the task at hand. Now going into the games, this is Golden State's to lose, in my opinion. Golden State has better shooters. Golden State is more ready to step up to the challenge, and they know how to deal with a superstar player and role players on that team. Because, in my opinion, you have Kawhi, who has defined his role as a superstar with his run in the playoffs. Yeah. He has to be mentioned in the Giannis's and the LeBron's and the Curry's talk of being a superstar in this league. He's definitely proven it from all the drama that happened with San Jose or San, San Antonio. Antonio. So that being said, they know how to shut down a superstar player. Can the role players step up and compete on and win four games? I don't see it happening with Toronto. No. I'm hoping it does. As a fan, I'm hoping Toronto pulls this off. But as a logical, breaking down everything, I think Golden State's just a little better on both sides of the ball. They've been here before. They are not going to get rattled if they lose a game. They can definitely push the series if they want to, but I think this ends in five games, in my opinion. Okay. I'm going to say Golden State in five. And then what happens, the, the sad thing is going to be is the minute Golden State wins, if they do win this, it's not going to be congratulations on the series. It's going to be how soon is Kevin Durant leaving? Mm-hmm. Where's Clay Thompson going? He'll get
1: he'll get interviewed in like the post game press conference and be like, "All right, so uh, where are you going this off season?
0: He's not even going to have time to enjoy this win
1: if he's smart and somebody asks him that question, he can hit him with a
0: "I'm going to Disney World." I no, I think he'll I think he'll he'll address it how he usually handles it, and you know what he has, but I think it's going to be just unfair to him if that's the case. And even on the flip side, if Toronto pulls this off. Kawhi's not going to have a real good chance to enjoy this because no. what's going to be the question? Are you going to stay or are you going to go? Yeah, it's too bad for both teams that the wins are going to kind of have that shadow looming overhead.
1: And and it's not even. And it's going to start even before the game is over and the series is over. It's going to be like if it's a close game, okay, it's going to be when the game is over. But if it's like when, uh, when Boston won their title, you know, a number of years ago, and it was like an absolute blowout in the final game. If we have one of those in the final game, and it's like all right, it's hilariously over, and like. Everyone but the most diehard fan knows it. And we're kind of sitting there like it's going to be like maybe, you know, partway through the third or partway through the fourth quarter. And that's when the conversation will start.
0: And it's going to be too bad that that shadow is looming overhead. Mm-hmm. Because, I, like I said, I think this is going to be a fun series. Yeah. I don't think Toronto is going to get ran out of the gym per se. I think they have a couple games that if they don't really step up and really embrace the challenge, it's going to be a long night. And it could get bad in a very, very big hurry. The one thing we do know is they're resilient. They'll bounce back. I mean, take a look at game two in the playoffs oh, yeah. against Milwaukee. And when they got blown out, and then look at what they did and how they answered back. Can they do that consistently against Golden State? I don't think so. But I'm definitely intrigued to watch. I'm. It's like I said, I'm rooting for Toronto, and I'm hoping I'm wrong. But I think this is all about Golden State's to lose, and then what happens in that offseason is going to get absolutely out of control. But let us know what you think. Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPH. The final start Thursday. Who you got, Golden State or Toronto? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Coming back for second number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we got to talk a little UFC action. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, next week is the very, very big fight card on ESPN+. Plus, uh-huh. But not to be outshadowed, there is a great card happening this weekend. Pat, break it down for us.
1: So, yes, uh, this weekend at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, check your local listings for times in your area. You have the UFC uh, card taking place in Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, headlining the card is Alexander Gustafsson versus Anthony Smith in a light heavyweight matchup. Uh, your co-main event in another light heavyweight matchup is Volkan, Oh, it's Medier versus Elyar Latifi. And then also you have Jimmy Manoa fighting on the card. It's just a lo- good,
0: really good-looking card. It's a solid card that's got a lot of implications for the light heavyweight division. Mm-hmm. Now you have Alexander Gustafsson, who is a longtime top contender, who was arguably the closest to defeating one John Jones at the 205 division. Uh, over his time period, but he has not obviously completed that. And when they had the rematch, John did finish him in that fight. Yes. To flip it, you have John's last opponent in Anthony Lionheart Smith, who is obviously uh, kind of an enigma in this division, in my opinion, that he's kind of flown in there and definitely had some highlight reel knockouts. And he's definitely made his, uh, his presence known in the 205 division. But, obviously, John did show there were some flaws to his game, and it was not his strongest performance in this fight. So, going in with that, this fight has a lot of implications for both
1: fighters. I'll say, never mind the fact that four of those fighters are in the top ten of the light heavyweight rankings in the UFC. Oh,
0: right, on this card, absolutely. This has got some definite implications for down the road. And I think after this fight, I did hear Anthony Smith is taking off time regardless because he's he's been fighting a lot recently. So for him in this fight, it's going to be, can he defeat Gustafson outright? Can he make a statement? Can he say, the John Jones performance was not my best. It was a one-time thing. I can go in there and defeat the skilled fighter. That's got to be the question in this one. For Gustafson, can he step up to the challenge and reclaim his, I don't want to say former glory, but let's face it. He's not looked the same since he's, his first fight with John. No. And he's, no. he's definitely been in some high-profile fights if you take a look at who he's fought. Yeah. But this is going to be a situation of, okay, can he really establish his dominance? And uh, with so many contenders stepping up in that 205 division, is he really going to make his presence felt? So, Pat, let me ask you this. Do mm-hmm. you have a take on this one?
1: Uh, like kind of what you alluded to, it's going to be very interesting to see just because, yes, Alexander Gustafson has fought John twice. The first time being far closer than the second one was. For me, he's got more to prove than I would say Anthony Smith does. So I, I just looking at it, you know, the litmus test, if you will, I got to give my lean towards Anthony Smith.
0: You know, this one, for me, is this is almost a coin flip, to be honest with you. Yeah. Gustafson has shown signs of brilliance over his career, and he's definitely one of the top 205 fighters on the planet, without question. But Anthony Smith is definitely one that is going to scrap in there. And like I said, he's, he's kind of flown under the radar, per se. He's had some great knockouts, and he's definitely made his presence felt over the past year or so. So to see him in this big fight, he's obviously going to be definitely not in his home turf as, as the fight is in Sweden. This is definitely in Gustafson's backyard. What is going to happen here? I think he's going to have a little difficult time with the reach. I think Gustafsson has one that is very close to John Jones. So if he can keep him at bay with some leg kicks and definitely not let him cut the distance off and do some dirty boxing in the clinch. I think Gustafson has a good chance to win this, but I think if Smith can definitely establish a quick pace early, get in Gustafson's face, press him up against the cage, definitely hit him with some shots, this could be a short night for Gustafson. So looking at this fight, I am going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to take Anthony Smith in this one, too. Okay. And I'm going to even give you his next fight after this, down the road. Okay. Luke Rockhold. Oh, yeah, I'd like that one. Luke has been talking a little trash, which is nothing new if you know Luke. And he is stepping up to the fight in the 205 division. I know he has a fight coming up at some point fairly soon. Mm -hmm. But I think that the fact that he's calling out Anthony Smith and he's definitely trying to get that fight to happen and he's saying Gustafson should roll right over Smith, he's definitely playing into that factor of is Smith looking ahead or is he not focused on the fight at hand. In my opinion, I think Smith is definitely looking at Gustafson. He's not even you know, blinking. He's so focused on that fight, it's not going to be a question of is he in the fight or is he not. But going up against Rockhold down the road, I think, is a fight that makes a lot of sense for both fighters. If Smith wins this one outright, it makes perfect sense. Rockhold's an up-and-coming name, depending on if he gets past his next opponent. This is a fight that makes a lot of sense if they want to take some time off to do. And it's a big fight for both. For Gustafson, you know what the future would hold if he wins—that's anybody's guess. Yeah, could he step up and fight somebody else's up and coming in the ranks? Yeah, it would make a lot of sense. You'd almost have to say the winner of Vulcan and uh, Latifi would be one, but then he also does train with Latifi, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So I don't know what would necessarily happen there. See, this is where it's going to get kind of murky in the 205 division because. It's almost like who has not fought John Jones and who has, right? Because if
1: Gustafson wins this one, I can't see them making another fight for John because, okay, yeah, the first fight was close, but the second one
0: really wasn't.
1: No, and I and, I, and nobody's really chomping at the bit to see a third round of that fight,
0: right? And that's the thing too. It's it, this one because of how John handled him in the second fight. Mm-hmm. This is where you kind of sit back and you go, okay. What does he have to do? Does he have to wait for John to move up division? Does he need to do something at heavyweight? How do you go and how do you handle this and how do you how do you figure this out? This is where it's going to get really interesting because if Gustafson does win this, who does he fight next? I mean, we could always say there's a Dominic Reyes that could step up and fight. There's, I mean, our favorite Johnny Walker could mm-hmm. could make a huge jump, but I don't think that fight's going to happen. But you almost have to take a look at saying, okay, who's in the 205 division right now and what fight makes the most sense? And I'm not saying Daniel Cormier either because I don't think Cormier is coming back down. No. And they've already fought two, if I'm not mistaken. So for Gustafson, after he wins this one, he almost has to, I don't want to say become a gatekeeper, so to speak, but he also really needs to make a dominant statement to get that fight against John. He needs to almost beat Smith in the first round, in my opinion, or beat him early and beat him decisively. And then you have to take out the next up-and-coming contenders where you have to say, I've beaten everybody you've thrown in front of me. Mm -hmm. What do I have to do for a title shot? That's going to be the interesting point. But like I say, I do like Smith in this, though. I think Smith is going to bounce back from his loss against John Jones, and you're essentially fighting someone with the same reach. So if you figured out what you did wrong that first fight, and according to Smith, if you hear him in interviews, he said he's rewatched the tape. He figured out what he did wrong. He's got to prove it against Gustafson. It's not going to be an easy fight for him without question. But he's got to definitely prove it and go from there. Mm -hmm. And then taking a look at the co-main, you got Latifi versus Vulcan. This one, boy, I don't know. Where's that quarter you used for the last matchup? Because I think I need it. Yeah, you're going to kind of need this one too because Vulcan, I mean, definitely came in, was doing some impressive knockouts. I mean, that's how he got the nickname No Time. But to see where he's going against Latifi, Latifi is going to wrestle and grind him out. Is he going to let him step up? And is he going to really let the fight get taken over? I don't know
1: i say it'll be interesting because both fighters are coming off of losses. Uh, Volcan has lost his last three fights. Uh, First, uh, his most recent one was to Dominic Reyes via split decision uh, back in March. Uh, Before that, it was to Anthony Smith. Uh, He was submitted by a rear naked choke back in October. And then before that, it was to Daniel Cormier who knocked him out at UFC 220 back in January of last year. And then you look at Elier Latifi; his last loss was to his last fight was a loss to Corey Anderson by unanimous decision back at UFC 232 in December.
0: Yeah, this one is definitely interesting to see. And I believe the Reyes fight was the one that we thought Vulcan won. Yeah, too, if I'm not mistaken. So. Vulcan is definitely going to bring the pace to him. Just with Latifi, it just depends. If he can you know, work some grappling in there, I think he can slow down Vulcan. But Vulcan is known to start out quick and then fade out after. I mean, that's how he's got the nickname No Time. So he's going to want to go in there and make a quick win early. I can see him doing it. I, I really can. In fact, I do like Vulcan in this fight. I think he's going to press him up enough that Latifi might just be a hair slower than He's going to be ready for this fight.
1: Yeah, and I can also see Vulcan being extra motivated after that last fight where it didn't quite go his way and being like, listen, you didn't give me the decision. I'm going to show you why I should have won it.
0: Right, and he's definitely going to have to because, like I said, we take a look at the 205 division and just how stacked it is for the UFC if you're not fighting Jon Jones. Mm -hmm. That you need to do something to stand out in the crowd. You need a first-round knockout. You need something that's going to stand out. If you don't have that... I mean, I, where do you go from here? I mean, that's going to be the question because there's only so many other divisions you can do and you can't that you really have to step up and you really got to go, okay, how do I make myself get noticed? Because for an, a big fight against John Jones, you're going to have to do something. You really need to make a statement fight because when you say you've been knocked out by Cormier, you did lose a close one to Reyes, but Reyes is an up-and-coming name, you got to do something to stand out. And the same thing with Latifi. I mean, if your central goal is to get a title shot, what are you doing? hmm Let alone, we haven't even talked about Manoa versus Rakic. That fight could go a lot of different directions, too. Rakic is 11-1, and, and Manoa is no joke, but this one is definitely going to be something to check out, too, because this is, like I said, it all boils down to who is going to be the one to step up and make themselves noticed to John Jones out of all these guys that are fighting right now. Mm-hmm. This has got some big title fight implications going for down the road and to kind of position themselves. Yeah, yeah, because like I said, John is focused on Diego Santos. That's still happening in July. I know there was some moving and shaking going around. We talked about it in the last episode, but it's all essentially who is going to get that big title fight unless John decides to say, "I'm going to move up to heavyweight to fight Cormier." That could be still on the table. We haven't really kind of delved into that.
1: Well, say yeah, that could be on, more on the table than it was before with Brock Lesnar officially being done with UFC.
0: Right, who he's now back with the WWE. So I mean, that whole fight's off the table right yeah. now and, and for the perceivable future. So and Cormier is going to be fighting Miocic, but it's not to say that John wouldn't step up and just do the grudge match at some point. Yeah, And that does make some sense because I don't see Cormier coming back down. Win, lose, or draw against Miosic.
1: I can even see John just doing the fight and maybe not even for the belt. Just listen, I don't want the belt. I just want to prove that I'm better than you.
0: Yeah, and obviously Cormier only has a couple more fights that he wants to do. And it makes sense in that aspect if it's not for the title. But I, like I said, John has to go up to heavyweight. Right. No, yeah, yeah. John cannot. Yeah. Cormier cannot come back down for light heavyweight. That doesn't make any sense at this stage. Yeah. None. Yeah. So, obviously, this whole fight card is going to be saying who's going to be the one to step up for the 205 crown. And with John Jones and kind of that uncertainty after Santos, you have to go in there and you have to make a statement. Mm-hmm. I mean, out of all these fighters, and especially John has already fought a few of them. Yeah. yeah. So, how do you go and you make that statement, Pat? If you're a fighter, how do you go in there and do this? Man, you got to put on a show or something
1: that really emphasizes, hey, listen, I'm the next guy. I realize he might have fought me. I realize he might have beat me, whatever the case is. I'm the next guy, and here's why. Boom.
0: you got to do something. It's going to be really fun to watch this weekend on ESPN+. Plus. Mm-hmm. The fight card is definitely going to be one, for, if you're a fan of the 205 division, to watch for future endeavors.
1: I was saying it should be noted, like I said uh, at the start of the segment, because the event is taking place in Stockholm, Sweden, it is a 1 p.m. Eastern time event start time check your listings on uh, ESPN.com for what time it'll start in your area but just to know it's 1 p.m. Eastern not your typical like 8 or 9 o'clock Eastern like you might be used to
0: right so there's definitely gonna be a lot of action on that card hit us up on that hashtag hashtag ODPH what is your thoughts on the card coming from Sweden this weekend we want to know we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back hey this is the king of wild
1: Luke Visengard gladius 205 champion and you're listening to the ODPH
0: Welcome back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And let's talk a little baseball, shall mm-hmm. we? My favorite sport. And let's talk about your favorite team, Pad. Your favorite team and mine. Exactly. How the heck are the New York Yankees doing this without all their star players? And what I mean yeah. by doing this, they are currently in first place heading into a big showdown against those Boston Red Sox this weekend.
1: Yeah, one of the best records in baseball. Uh, they are currently sitting atop the American League East division with a record of 36-19. and 19. I believe the only team that is better than them, are. it's currently tied, it, uh, is the... Uh, Minnesota Twins with a record of 37 and 17, and then you have the Houston Astros who have a record of 37 and 19. But no, yeah, it's it's a little wild to see that. Give like that's been one of the big storylines for, uh, if I'm not mistaken, today was the uh, one third of the way for the baseball season for the Yankees, mm-hmm. where it's their 54th game. So you're one th- third of the way through the season, and what's been the big story? Okay, yeah, they're winning, and yeah, they're doing it with some not so household names. But all the injuries, Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge, CeCe Sabathia, Luis Severino, Miguel Andujar. I mean, I could go on and on
0: and on. Yeah, D.D. Gregorius. D.D.
1: Gregorius although he's coming back soon. Uh, Aaron Hicks was, of course, injured, but he's since come back. Uh, James Paxton was another one, but he came back uh, today as we record and pitched a stellar game. It's ju- It's just been like one after another after another to the point where a lot of Yankees fans like anytime something happens where it looks like there might be an injury, there's a collective held breath in the Yankees' fans' uh, chest where they go, oh, God, not another one. But how are they pulling this off, though? It, it's just wild to see. It, it's I think it's a testament to how good their farm system has gotten because I know that used to be one of the knocks against the team, and I will be the first to agree with anyone mm-hmm. who said this in the past. One of the weakest parts of the of the team was their farm system because the old way they used to do things was when they wanted to trade for star players, they would trade a lot of their prospects, and they would deplete their their farm system to the point where it was almost a joke. And they kinda of go, all right, all right, listen, this whole we've tried this whole bring in star players thing for a few years and it's gotten us nothing. Let let's try and flip the script here. We've got all these other teams building up their farm system and get these great young players coming up. Why don't we try this? And well, you see, I mean I'm sorry, if you would have told me at the start of the year Gio or Shella would be the hero in a couple of cut situations this year, I'd have been first I'd have been like, Who?
0: Mm-hmm. No, this has been a true testament of just kind of a flipping of the Yankee philosophy. Mm-hmm. And like you touched upon, I mean, they have been known to, to go out and get the big free agents. Yeah, and
1: the A-Rods, the Teixeiras, the Sabathias, the Randy, the
0: Randy Johnsons. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, take a look at just over the course of the years and to recently that they decided to dump some of their star players mm-hmm. for prospects. Yeah. I mean, when they were making the trade with Andrew Miller and they yeah. got Clint Frazier out of Cleveland. Yeah. And just to see what was going on with you know just such an impact of that that well, they were trading for prospects. They
1: sent uh, Aroldis Chapman to the Chicago Cubs and basically robbed the Chicago Cubs blind of their top prospect.
0: Yeah. it is just wild to see that they were willing to do that when they've been the team that's been on the other side of the fence doing mm-hmm. it, that they've been willing to trade their top prospects and just to see how they've gotten players out of there. I mean, like, look at Frazier, who is struggling even to get into the lineup but I mean, it's been such a quality asset, or asset to the team when he's in the lineup. I mean, you take a look at when Judge goes down, he mm-hmm. steps right in, and they're not missing a beat. No,
1: they're really not. I mean, it's been it's been insane to see that. Like, okay, yeah, Judge and Stanton aren't there. Those are two of your your biggest power home run hitters. But you had the start of the game today where DJ Lemayhew and Luke Voigt, who both hit back to back home runs in the first inning. Yeah, it, it's just wild to see. And, and to see the fan base in the city rally around this team and, and how much they love every one of them, it's awesome to see.
0: Well, it's awesome to see because especially with being in New York, and New York has always just been a very tough place to play. I mean, there's nothing against it. The fans are always a rabid yeah. fan base. You're in yeah. the biggest media market in the entire world, in my opinion. So to see how they are doing this, and especially with arguably, and you want to say arguably, no name – Superstars. Yeah. It's just, you know, average players that are doing over average things. Yeah. I mean, you almost have to kind of look at it like that perspective.
1: Well, and they just finished off a three game series against the San Diego Padres today as we record, and they won the series. That was their eighth straight series win.
0: Yeah. Which is absolutely crazy to think when you start looking at the superstars that are not playing. I mean, the Giancarlo Stantons, mm-hmm. the Aaron Judges. Yeah. When you take that power out of that lineup, and look at what they're doing. Even Gary Sanchez was out for a little while, right? And even Sanchez has come back, and he's looked better than he did last year. Say,
1: like Aaron Hicks m- missed uh, the first few weeks or few first few months of the season. Only came back within like the last two weeks or last week or so,
0: right? When you have your minor league system stepping up, yeah. and, and filling in roles and not missing a beat, and not missing, no overachieving in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, just how look at it, what they've done. Yeah. I mean, you take a look at their recent road trip to Baltimore and who was the hero of that series? Labor Torres. And why was that?
1: Uh, he hit home runs out of the park like it was going out of style to the point where the Baltimore announcer Gary Thorne was ready to retire. Right. This Not is Not really, but that's the way he sounded. But going Look in, up the video.
0: But going into that series. Who saw that coming? I'll say they had a 10 to
1: 7 win, an 11 to 4 win, 7 to 5 win and then a 6 to 5 win, but that that was kind of the highlight of that four-game series was Glaber Torres hitting home runs like it was I said like it was going out of style to the point where if you look up the video, Gary Thorne of the Baltimore Orioles was saying, "Why are you pitching to him?"
0: No, and that's the an honest case because at this stage the Yankees who are known for their long ball right now. Yeah. I mean, in this current uh, team structure they have with Judge and Stanton I mean, this was was why there was such like a big talk about getting Bryce Harper there right? and, and, and the adjud- what power he was going to yeah. allegedly bring there. Yeah, about that. Yeah, it was going to be just the Yankees were all about the home runs, and they're still hitting them. Don't get me wrong, but just to see the role players step up or the not-so-big names, they're taking full advantage of this, the Frasers, the Luke Voits, the list goes on and on. To see how they're doing this and let alone they're competing at such a high level that they're one of the best teams in baseball mm-hmm. when on paper they shouldn't be. No. Let's be honest. It is just truly remarkable. So now going into the series against Boston who started out very slow too, mind you. Oh yeah. and now recently started kicking in. I mean Devers and Mookie Betts has really kind of stepped it up lately. We'll so
1: yeah, they're sitting in third place uh, behind the Yankees in Tampa with a record of twenty nine and twenty six, and seven games out. But until it's you know game one sixty two of the year, I
0: ain't never counting Boston out. No, you can't count Boston out, and especially with how this rivalry is. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest, this is the best rivalry in all of baseball and all of sports. Well,
1: so yeah, you got it's a four game series against the Boston Red Sox uh, starting this weekend. It's not for first place, but it might as well. well be. It should be.
0: It's going to have that big fight feel to it. Yeah. They always do, especially when both Boston and the Yanks are doing well. And Boston has now really come along. I mean, you take a look at their stat line. Mm-hmm. They've really stepped it up after having that awful start to begin the year with. Now look at what's going to happen coming in here. For Boston, this is a chance to gain ground on the Yanks. And especially they're looking at it like, well, your lamp's depleted. We're clicking at the right time. Like I said, Devers is hitting the ball out of the park. He's he's playing lights out right now to say, okay, we got a chance to gain some ground on the Yankees. Yeah. I mean, if they hypothetically pull a sweep off, I mean, look how that's going to boost their confidence. Oh, yeah. But to flip the coin, take a look at if the Yankees can steal this series and keep mm-hmm. this momentum up against Boston, who is built to take on the Yankees. Yeah. Both no, they these- are. They're,
1: they're defending champs. That Now, admittedly, I'm not a Boston Red Sox fan, so Red Sox fans, if I'm wrong on this, please correct me. Hashtag ODPH. They haven't changed a lot that much from their team last
0: year. No, they didn't. They, they just- might have
1: lost a few pieces. I know Craig Kimbrell's not there, and that's a whole other ball of
0: wax. But to my knowledge, I don't think they've changed a lot that much. No, they haven't changed that much, but they've started out slow. But you know what? The Yankees did the same thing last year. The Yankees are notoriously bad in April. Yeah. Oh, it's notorious. Yeah. Boston did that this year. I mean, Chris Sale has not had a great season thus no. far. But they're going to turn it on, and once he gets going and their pitching gets clicking, yeah. that's going to be a big factor for them as well. And then, yeah, I mean, you could talk about the Krimble thing all you want, but, mm-hmm. but let's not because no. it's just not worth it. To go into this series, this has such high implications for both teams. For the Yankees... If they can continue their streak they've been on and say, let's say let's say they take three out of four against Boston, what do you think that message is going to be sent around the league? Boy, oof, I don't know. It'll be something to see, though. Yeah, because if they are saying we can do this against the team we're built to face mm-hmm. and we send a message, statement win of a series, that's going to be saying something. On the flip of the coin, though, Boston needs this series just as bad, if not worse. I'd say worse than the Yankees do. Because if they get something like 10 games out of first place... Mm-hmm. Before not, before the All-Star break. Yeah, before the All-Star break. I'm not saying the season's done, but what I'm going to say is the hill to the wild card is going to be tougher than the hill to first place.
1: I'll say, I feel like we'd be neglected to mention this. I feel like we'd get some flack if we didn't mention this. Who would have thought that... Now, let me pose you this question. You might know the answer because I'm asking the question. Uh, who is the current wins leader in all of major league baseball Minnesota Twins no no I'm talking about oh oh, no Dodgers for pitchers pitchers Mm -hmm. Domingo Herman for the New York Yankees with a record of nine and one as we record get out yeah Domingo Herman which again if you to go if you were like somebody from the future time travel in a TARDIS or you know DeLorean or whatever you want to pick go back in time beginning of the season and tell me at uh, one-third of the way through the season uh, the MLB wins leader uh for pitching will be Domingo of the New York Yankees. I just said, what are you on?
0: Yeah. I mean, like we say, the Yankees, you know, unsung heroes are now stepping up and they're taking Mm -hmm. the limelight. So you almost have to wonder what's going to happen when everybody gets healthy. And that, let me pose that question to you, Pat. Mm -hmm. How do you break this lineup up that's that's doing such a great job? It's going to be hard to
1: do because they are gelling in every sense of the word and in every phrase because, yeah, you need your star players to play, but at the same time they're just now I'm not advocating sending Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton down to the minors by any sense of the no, imagination no. but it's going to be a tough choice for the front office and Brian Cashman to make because okay you've, you great you had these players step up when you, you needed them to but I think you're almost at a point where you tell Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton listen yes we need you to play this season and yes we need you to play for for the playoffs if we get there you know but take your time we're we're good right now we're not rushing you to get back or saying hey you need to like speed this up and get back
0: this almost reminds me of when they called up a one robinson cano and one yeah. chin ming wong yeah. from the minors That they, they were carrying the yankees yeah. during that stretch yeah of that their original seasons mm-hmm. so this has that same kind of vibe but to see the yankees pulling this off and especially with everybody associated, supposed to the yankees with you know we gotta get the big free agents yeah they really haven't
1: so it's also wild because uh as we record uh yesterday uh the 28th of may uh voting open for major league baseball all-star game uh some Yankees made the all-star made the voting list now obviously the Gary Sanchez's and the judges and the Stantons are on there and so is Brett Gardner but uh Luke Voigt is on the ballot for first base for the New York Yankees uh DJ LeMayhew is on the ballot for second base for the American League. Uh, Gleyber Torres is on there for shortstop. Gio Urshela is on the Major League Baseball All-Star ballot for third base.
0: How crazy is that? Just to think where we started the beginning of the year, did anybody think that we'd be talking at the end of May and saying these are the New York Yankees that are Helping the team to get the first base or first place. Yeah, it's wild to see. But this is the fun of baseball that when you go to a minor league game, you never know when that future all star or superstar is going to be there.
1: And it can be faster than you think. I mean, we, we of course, have the double A affiliate of the New York Mets in our town. I remember a game years ago I went to with my dad where a player named Daniel Murphy. Was playing second base or first base? I forget which for the for the then Binghamton Mets. Like not even a half week later, I'm flipping channels on like a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, and I get past the channel the Mets broadcast is always on, and I hear and I just hear in passing uh, Daniel Murphy with a line drive double to left center field. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, and like I pulled out the thing from I uh, from the game I went to like the program for the program from like four or five days ago. I'm like. Wait a minute! I just saw him play here like four or five days ago.
0: Yeah, you just—you never know. I mean, last season we saw Vladimir Guerrero Jr. down here. Man, that that boy can hit. Yeah, and he can hit. <laughs> There's no question. The that damage bo- that he's, boy can hit. You want to talk about somebody doing damage in Toronto? That that yeah. man is going to put up some huge numbers by the time it's all said and done.
1: I was fortunate a couple of years ago to go, to go to a Binghamton Trenton Thunder game, and Gary Sanchez was still in Double A playing catcher. And my first reaction when he hit a, a screaming double off the center field wall was, "Why is this man in Double A?"
0: You, that's what I say. It's the beauty of going to minor league baseball because you never know when these yeah. guys, a, a drop of a dime could get called up to the mm-hmm. big leagues. And then look at what happens when they take advantage of the spotlight. Yeah. You take a look at how the Yankees are in first place and doing what they're doing, and they're doing it with guys that they've grown in their farm system or traded from the, to get in their farm system and built them up, and now look at what they're doing. And they're in first place sitting at the end of May going – Where is the future going to go to the all-star break? Mm -hmm. It's going to be some fun questions to watch and definitely some fun baseball this weekend. If you're into the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry, it's always a fun time for baseball now as we head into the summer months. I want
1: to say, and even if you're not in the Yankees or Red Sox, but you want to see what the heck we're talking about and why we're so hyped, uh, I should note that the games on Saturday, June 1st, and Sunday, June 2nd, uh, will be on Fox and ESPN, respectively.
0: Yes. Yeah, so check your local listings if you want to join in that conversation because baseball is now kicking up as the summer weather is kicking in, so we can't wait to start covering that a little more here on the ODPH. But let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH, and join in the conversation on social media. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. The ODPH is proud sponsors of RoboCon 2019, happening in September 28th and 29th. Don't miss out on Binghamton, New York's biggest sci-fi, fantasy, and gaming convention of the year. For badge details and more info, check out RoboCon.org. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Pad, Kick us off with that local minute. Well, of course,
1: local minute in the summertime. we got to be talking a little baseball because the Binghamton Rebel Ponies are in full swing. Uh, last week, they won a series against Bowie, winning two games to one. Uh, then they split a series at home against the Trenton Thunder, winning two games and losing two games. Uh, they're in the midst of a three-game series against Richmond where they won one and they're uh, they are playing the second game and they have the final game remaining uh, before they return home and play a game series against Uh, a four-game series against Portland, and then travel on the road to Harrisburg. As I turn to look at the standings, uh, they are only a half game out of first place behind the Trenton Thunder. Uh, For more information, bingrp.com. So let's
0: start rounding those bases, shall we, Pad? Sure. Uh,
1: First, of course, we talked a little baseball last segment. Uh, Little tip of the cap here from us Yankees fans and the podcast to Dustin Pedroia. Of course, the longtime second baseman for the Boston Red Sox hard fighter, great, uh, athlete in the, in the sport of baseball, one of the best to play the game, uh, announced the other day that he's taking an indefinite leave of absence from baseball to deal with a uh, nagging knee injury. He's been dealing with, uh, he, he has not announced a return date for when he will return to the game of baseball. And he's not sure he will return ever if all, uh, if this is, uh, the end of his career, it's an awful way to end a career. It's not how I would like to see him go out. Even, yes, he's a Boston Red Sox but he's one of the best players they've had and I've always enjoyed watching him play. I'd much rather see him go out on the field tipping his cap and, and saluting the fans. So if if this is the way he's going out it's a it's an awful way to go. But, you know, if like I said if this is the end, hats off to you and congrats on a great career.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's tough to hear that this is could be the possible end. Mm-hmm. I mean, as Yankee fans, we always have respect for the Red Sox yeah. and and you know, Pedroia has been a diehard example of the red sox nation and mm-hmm. he's always played the, the game the right way and you know to see it end like this if this is going to end i mean it, it's it's tough to, to watch and mm-hmm. we tip our cap to you and you know hopefully you can come back from this so yep we're waiting to see and then we also have a little melancholy uh condolences to pass along for bill buckner yep passed away um at the Age of 69
1: years old, yeah, just on Monday, uh, Memorial Day, it was announced that Bill Buckner, of course, journeyman, Major League Baseball player, you know, played for Boston and a whole bunch of other teams passed away. Sad to see him go. Was one of the best players of his generation. I mean, I know he gets a lot of – he's most known for the the play. of The ball goes through his legs in the World Series. But he was so much more than that. I mean, look up his stats. There were few players from, like, 1969 – onward that were better than he was
0: absolutely and Buckner should not be defined by the error he made in game six of the of the World Series against the Mets Buckner especially had the stats that you know he was one of the he was a great baseball player yeah and but how he handled that situation too mm-hmm. I, I mean you just you have to respect it and he he owned up to it i mean it was it wasn't anything that he didn't shy away from he that. didn't shy away from it and especially how he just handled that situation is just a lot of respect and obviously when we heard the news about his passing Our deepest condolences out to his family, friends, and fans. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, it's just awful news to hear.
1: Yep. Uh, My other one, switching back to basketball, uh, we mentioned during our, when we were talking about the NBA Finals, that this offseason is going to be very interesting. Uh, Looks like the Houston Rockets are not waiting to make things interesting. According to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, I feel like we need like a DJ Clue bomb sound effect, but for Woj, for Woj uh, Woj Bomb. Yeah. Uh, Woj is reporting on ESPN.com that Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey has has made his entire roster and future draft picks available in trade talks. Now, presumably, uh, James Harden is not included amongst this because, hey, you need somebody to build around. But, uh, no, his entire future draft picks and team is available. Now, Uh, there are some notable names on this team that would potentially be for sale if that is the case. Now, not all of them are needle movers. But, hey, if you need a backup uh, point guard or a backup center, there are some pretty good names that you could fill in here. Uh, Chris Paul, Austin Rivers, uh, Eric Gordon, Iman Shumpert, Clint Capella, Kenneth Reed, and Nene are all on this team. So, you know, well, yes, Chris Paul, needle mover, will definitely make dividends on your team. There's some definite role players in here. I'm very interested to see where this goes.
0: Houston has to do something after this, yes. after the, I don't know how debacle. you want Yeah, debacle is probably putting in nicely, of their season this year. And you, when you have the chance to close and you don't and mm-hmm. you're, you're built for I mean, like I say, it's not – it's not easy to figure out what went wrong, but right. you have to shake it up somehow. And if you can move some of those players and and rebuild, I guess yeah.
1: it's 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 going to be hard to move Chris Paul though, because as Woj points out, uh, he has three year he, uh, he has a contract remaining contract of like three years and one hundred and twenty four million dollars left, and then he's also thirty four years old. So, is there really going to be a team that's willing to take that on?
0: Arguably, no, but, you know, crazier things have happened in the NBA with yeah. salary cap issues and such. So it remains to be seen, but if Houston's getting ready to implode the team and start over, I mean, sooner than later because mm-hmm. this free agency market, if you can make some moves happens with signing trades, this is the time to do it, so don't yes. wait. So going into my rounding of the bases, you know I talk boxing, and you yes. know last week after Deontay Wilder had the one of the nastiest knockouts in history. Mm-hmm. I said there's only one fight to be had, and that's against Anthony Joshua. Joshua is fighting this weekend against Anthony Ruiz. I think it is on Zone mm-hmm. or DAZN, as I always call it. Either way, I was like, okay, Wilder can definitely fight him if he beats Ruiz. This fight makes a lot of sense. And then what gets announced? Wilder is not going to do that fight. He is elected to do a fight, a rematch against Luis Ortiz. Well,
1: so your message mostly uh, got lost in the mail someplace.
0: This is frustrating. The fight that needs to happen if boxing wants to really become mainstream relevant again is Wilder Joshua. This kind of like we're dancing around. We can't make this happen. Your two biggest heavyweight contenders in recent years are are in their prime. They're ready to go. This fight makes sense. How are you? Can you not pull this off? And we're taking other fights instead.
1: Yeah, don't don't take too long to make this fight because otherwise we'll be running into another Mayweather-Pacquiao situation where yeah, that fight should have happened, but ten years earlier.
0: Yeah, this just doesn't make any dang sense. For me, this is a no-brainer, and everybody will make money, and this is the fight that needs to happen. And why this is not happening, I don't
1: get My only guess is that they've been negotiating in in talks that haven't necessarily gotten public. And when it comes to the whole negotiating terms of the fight and who gets what, my guess is that it's just that's where the the sides aren't meeting, where they just can't agree on who gets what.
0: Yeah, this is just it's foolish that we're dragging our feet with this when they can really make an impact and really do something. But no, we're gonna just do other rematches. And mm-hmm. I mean, not to say those fighters aren't contenders, but come on, if you can have your two arguably your two best heavyweights in a match for the belts let what why are you waiting see this is why Canelo and Triple G worked the fighters were still in their prime yeah this wasn't Mayweather Pacquiao which was what 7 years too late mm-hmm. give or take yeah this wasn't Mayweather McGregor which i mean let's face it it was a media circus yeah pretty much so why don't you put your fighters in the best position to do the best fight and make some noise and, and draw some more attention and get people amped up about boxing?
1: Especially when, like in all sports, something may happen. You don't know, but you may not. Some injury may happen that takes you out of the sport of boxing and you're not able to box ever again. Yeah, and then you're left for the rest of your life going, "Oh, I wonder what would have happened if I had, had that fight."
0: Yeah, this is just foolish. I don't like, and, and like I said,
1: I'm not wishing injuries on anybody, but this is a realistic possibility that could happen. When it's, you're in
0: combat sports, it could happen at yeah. any moment. This is it's it's a sad but true statement. I mean, this is why you need to take advantage of those opportunities when they're available. This fight's no brainer. I don't understand this. I could go on and on about this, but I'm gonna hold back and just say if this fight doesn't happen next year, let's just not talk about it again because there's no point. There is none at this stage. This fight should have happened by the end of this year. It's not, so if it doesn't happen in the first quarter next year, I don't want to hear about it because I'm gonna lose interest. And that's how I'm going to end the show on this because that's all I got for this week. So for paddle one J, thank you. Thank you. I'm your host Ken. of thank you as always for listening to the Ocho Dural Parlay our hashtag ODPH podcast. We'll see you next time.